And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of Civilized Barking is Visa, a network working for everyone. Hey everybody, thanks for coming to Civilized Barking. Zach Jackson and Jason Lloyd inside SoFi Stadium. Uh, probably two hours or so. I don't know. I haven't known what time it is since I got here, Jason. Um, exhausting game. I thought incredible, incredibly high-level game uh, for the most part. Um, the Browns are right there with the AFC's best teams, the best teams in the league. Kind of hard to explain how they didn't win this game. We will do that over the next 15 or 20 or 30 minutes. I don't know where this is going to go. I I will say this um, to start it, Jason. A lot of times when we do this, a lot happens during these games and after the games, and you're, we're trying to juggle our work and our memories and our stat sheets and all of that. Um, there's more of that today because it runs together. There were 41 points scored in the fourth quarter. <laughs> um, the That's bottom incredible. line is it is incredible. The bottom line is the Browns had the ball and the lead inside three minutes and didn't go anywhere. We're caught between being cautious and aggressive, not knowing what to do. This creative misdirection offense was straight and stiff. Um, should have been a penalty, yes. But then later there was dink and dunk as it was all day. And I'm not laying it all on the quarterback. Um through all the craziness, the Browns did not manage the game well at all. That's very un-Browns-like. That's very un-Stefanski-like. But two, to me, the two things that jump out on what's a long list of why you didn't win this are obviously the defense got gashed beyond explanation and the management of the situational football was really poor. Yeah, the last two possessions in particular on the Browns is really puzzling to me. And I guess that's as good a place as any to start. Yeah, the defense got gashed. Man, they had a ton of injuries in the secondary. And I know it's next man up and all that, but there's a pretty big drop from Greg Newsom to A.J. Green. Can we agree on that? And uh, I mean, the one's a first-round pick and one's an undrafted guy a year ago. Yes. Yeah. So, and, and you know, you're going into it without Jadavion Clowney to begin with and then you lose the defensive backs that they lost. You know, I'm guessing guys got gassed a little bit at the end. Uh, and, and, you know, the defense played so well for the last two weeks and really the first three quarters of this game, I thought. There was a point in the, in the third quarter where, you know, the Chargers are going for it on fourth down and I thought, man, if they don't get this, this might be the game. And, and obviously they converted and off we went. And, but, but getting back to the last two possessions, it's really baffling to me, first of all, that Nick Chubb wasn't even on the field. Browns have the lead with three minutes to go, backed up in their own end. Run the ball, grind out the clock, get a couple of first downs and win the game. And, Zach, we've talked about it all year. Like, that's their, that's their MO is you get a lead, you get a lead and run the ball. And they ran it with Kareem, and Kareem is a wonderful NFL running back. Obviously, he was maybe the number one back in the league before he ran into those problems in Kansas City. 
Nick Chubb's better to me. Nick Chubb is quite possibly one of the top three backs in the league. There's no one else I'd want on my team with the lead to put the ball in his hands. I was confused he wasn't in the game at all. And I was really confused on third nine, they run the draw with Kareem. And I understand Stefanski's thinking on that. You know, Kevin said they were deep into their depth, which is basically saying he didn't trust his tackles. You know, they're already without Jedrick Wills, and then they lose Conklin. So they were thin on the line. But, man, you got to throw the ball down the field. And then to get the ball back, again, just like Kansas City, this was even, you know, a, a, a tougher situation because of the, the time left on the clock. But you got the ball at the end of the game to win the game, to go in the game. And they didn't do it. Not only did they do it, it took them half the clock just to get to midfield. And I just – I don't understand with – I'm with you on that. I don't understand the play calling. I don't understand uh, – it, it's just frustrating because the Browns, this is twice now, they've been on the road against playoff teams in the AFC and they had the lead in the fourth quarter and they lost them both. And they had the ball last with the chance to go down the field and win the game and they didn't do it either time. Yeah, so let's let's start with that next to last drive. I was going to say penultimate, but I don't really use big words. Uh, <laughs> that often or that well so look you you're expecting a tie game there well this guy you know misses the extra point yep <laughs> so now all of a sudden the entire situation has changed well that's fine i mean this is a prepared team they they prepare for all sorts of things and the hell they showed that later when they they helped eckler score right because they, it's easy to say you can do that but it, to execute it is one other thing anyway you're protecting the lead, but you're really one for you're one first down for making it very hard. And obviously, nothing was over because your defense couldn't get a stop to save its life. But my gripe is this offense is really good. It's really imaginative. And what are they really good at, Jason? Misdirection, right? Make, doing something, zigging one of their team's zags. Peoples Jones and Najoku were the stars today. They get any targets last week? No. Right? Like, this is what they do. So, of course, you're running it on, on first down there because you're running against the clock. You're going to make the Chargers call timeout. Now, second and nine is where you – in hindsight, you should have run the ball, right? You absolutely should have run the ball, but you didn't. You go with a straight drop back pass. There's illegal contact on the, on the right side on the first read, not called. That he, he tries to throw it to Higgins. He's not open. They want the P.I. Baker comes out and says there was two P.I.s there. But now you're in third and nine. And that's not where you want to be. Now, the excuses, which it is an excuse, but it's legit. Did you have backup tackles that you're in this spot? Comes it well, then you run the draw. Like, where's the creativity in any of that? Right? Um, where's 13 all day? <laughs> and like this is Kareem Hunt time. It, I I totally think you have a valid question in, in why not Nick Chubb, who ran for 161 yards and looked absolutely unstoppable. Like, Nick Chubb is a walking, freaking highlight reel, and I thought today he was absolutely – like, it could have been the best game of his career, right? But, like, why does Kareem get it in those spots? Because he catches swing passes and screen passes and never goes down when the first guy hits him. Has a way of fighting through people for three or four extra yards, right? Pushes forward. And when you hand him the ball on that draw, I mean, he did fight for three yards, but he didn't have a chance. He didn't have the chance. Yeah. So it's like if you threw it on second down, you probably should have thrown it again because, it, like you were saying, time wasn't an issue. And Staley told you, Staley, le- I've, I, I've never seen a game. I have seen a team that's losing be deliberate, but I've never seen a game where Staley is losing there with 246 left and he doesn't call timeout because he wants to keep His it. His players then- were asking. 
Right. His players were looking at him. We're signaling time out of the sideline. Yes. Should we take one? And, and you pointed out, you said he's not even taking one. <laughs> yes. And so then they get the ball. <laughs> they get the ball. And they're they're milking the clock. Stefanski's calling time, and he had to. That that's not part of the mismanagement, right? But like it was such a given that they were going to score. So, yeah, those situations are baffling. And then on the last drive, okay, you're in a tough spot because you, you've used your timeouts because you had to. You haven't really thrown downfield all day long, and they're going to sit. Like they're going to have a defense design where four guys are going to sit at eight to twelve yards and keep everything in front of them, and one guy's going to be deep. But when you take the first stink and dunk, which is what they want you to do and what you have to do, you can't take the next stink and dunk. Like, you have to press the issue, right? On second and five or second and six, you have to throw – because it's not a regular down, Jason, we're third and six. You have four plays to get there. So they dump it off to Kareem. He gets tackled short, and now it's third and one, and you throw it short again. And then 15 seconds expire by the time you convert and go up and, and kill the pass for the next play after another 10-yard pass. So by coach and by quarterback there, that's bad. It's, it's not just bad. It's inexcusable. Like, it's no time to go shot. You've, you've already given the game away by, not, by using your timeouts and not doing that, you know what I mean, not getting stops, not executing in those times. You had the ball in the lead with three minutes. So on that last drive, to not let one rip 25 yards and give yourself a chance, that's inexcusable. And like I said, in the communication, which I think this coach and this quarterback have, but, like, that has to come up. Like, we cannot take a second straight dump off, right? We have to be aggressive. We have to look at 13. They finally went to Donovan Peoples-Jones, and I didn't hate it. I thought it was a well-designed play in terms of the best you're going to get at a crack at over top of the defense at 15 to 18 yards, right? I think it traveled – 34 or something in the air, but it's inexcusable, inexcusably bad. They had the ball back with a minute and a half left and no timeouts, but they had the ball with a minute and a half left at their own 25. It took them a minute to get to the 46. Yes. How is that possible in today's NFL? I want to go back to something you said when the Chargers got the ball back. I forget the exact verbiage you used, but basically it was inevitable. The Chargers were going to score. Everyone knew the Chargers were going to score. Yeah. And this is my problem with Baker and the Browns in this offense. And we said it in Kansas City. It's inevitable if, if Patrick Mahomes gets the ball in that situation, he's put the Chiefs in position to score. We knew Justin Herbert was going to put the Chargers in position to score. And he did. Boom, boom, boom. Like three plays. Bam. They're there. One play. One play they were there. And they're in position to score. And with Baker in this offense, it took them a minute to get from the 25 to the 46. And again, Stefanski's explanation was, we want to get it to midfield so we, so we give ourselves a shot at the end zone. But the fact that it took them a minute to get to that point, oh, my goodness gracious. Terrible. So, Terrible. so you, you, can, you can throw Baker's numbers in my face all you want, and, and people will. And his numbers were wonderful. 23-32, 305 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions again, took care of the ball, quarterback rating on 122.5. If you look at a stat sheet, you say, man, Baker played a great game. And he did. He was fine. And how many of those throws were six to nine yards down the field? And where was the offense and where was the quarterback in the last three minutes of the game when they needed to drive the field and win the game? They couldn't do it again on the road, again, against the top-level AFC team, again. This is the problem that I have with Baker in this offense. And people can just go crazy on me again until they do it against one of these teams. I'm going to keep pointing it out because it keeps happening over and over and over. 
you're exactly right. And that's where I was going next. Even if we dove back into another scenario and, and I still sit here feeling like we left three of them out because so much crazy stuff happened. Oh, right? so just a bonkers fourth but, quarter. Absolutely but, bonkers. But here, here's, here's the deal guys. Baker was fine. He, he was pretty good. He was sharp early. I think he only had three incompletions in the first half. One was a throwaway and one's the blatant drop on fourth down where the guy's wide open in the middle of the field. Right. But just fine. And then falling short, means you're never going to win anything. And, and this loss does not go solely on Baker, and the trajectory of the season does not go solely on Baker. But you cannot watch the other quarterbacks in the league, the one today, the, one, the other one Jason mentioned from week one, who do this, and you cannot think that eventually, if it turns for the Browns, and obviously a lot has turned because we're sitting here, dis- you are sitting here disgusted that they didn't win this game against a team that could win the Super Bowl in this very stadium, Right. <laughs> Yeah, you're, when you beat these teams, you're going to have to play for 60 minutes. Not cliche. Finish the games. Up one, down one, up six, down six. You're going to have to go do it. The, the every, everything that's made this offense great has started with coach and quarterback getting on the same page, distributing the ball to all of these guys. Right, beautiful fakes and misdirection and and throwing, you know, hitting guys in the middle and opening up all these other things. And when the Browns have had the ball with these chances in these two fourth quarters in week one and week five, and even last week, this is a second straight week where the inability to complete passes and the coaching decisions have given the, the other team extra possessions. You went one and one Take a step back. And the bigger picture going one-on-one on this two-game road trip was always going to be fine. But I think this Browns administration has hit its first real spot of adversity. Because clearly expectations are raised, and clearly the Browns are good enough to play with anybody. But they have to win these games, and they can't be what, – what makes them good, sharp passes and great execution and incredible preparation and aggressiveness can't go away because you have to do it at the end or you'll never win shit. Zach, I love something you said a couple weeks ago when you and I were talking about this off the podcast about, like, going back to the Kansas City game, like, that's how you got to beat the Chiefs, right? You're not going to beat Kansas City 42-17 on their field. Like, you're going to have to beat them at the end of the game on a last-minute drive and not leave enough time for them to go the other way. The same thing applies to the Chargers. You're, it's very unlikely you're going to beat this team by two or three touchdowns going away. You're probably going to have to do it with a late-minute drive, with a late-game drive. Baker was wonderful for 53 minutes against Kansas City. Wonderful. Where was he the last seven minutes when it's money time? Baker's numbers today were terrific. Where was this offense the last three minutes? And you pointed out other reasons why it's not all Baker. And I'm not putting this one all on Baker. I'm no. just saying they had two possessions in the last three minutes. It's money time. That's time to win the game. They had a minute and a half left, no timeouts. That's money time. Time to go win the game. And they didn't do it either time. 531 yards, no turnovers, lose the game. Chubb and Hunt, That's run, incredible. For, Chubb and Hunt run for 222 and three touchdowns. Don't win the game. How many throws did Herbert make today where you and I went, oh, my God. There was at least three or four where he's scrambling, we're throwing off his back, throwing off the wrong foot, throwing off the back foot, sidearm, 40 yards down the field, right on target. Where we just looked at each other like, oh, my goodness. A crazy number. Um, And two of them were like, I don't know why he didn't just run. He should have run for that. But he chucks it and the guys go get it. Right? And one of them is a play that, like, only Keenan Allen and a handful of guys can make. But, like, listen, guys. For years and years and years, the Browns were trying to get traction. They were trying to find the right guys. They were trying to find somebody to stick around and stick with something. They've got an incredible team. 
that, that came in here and, and went toe-to-toe and showed off its talent. They went four of 12 on third down and one of three on fourth down. The Chargers went six of 13 on third down and three of three on fourth down. At halftime, the, at halftime, the Browns had run 37 plays to 21. It ends up 68-68. Like you, wow. Getting a stop was not an option. So how were you going to remedy that? Well, you were either going to lose the game or you were going to keep scoring. And you had two possessions at the end and you didn't get shit. You got 21 yards on the last draft with a minute and a half left and the Chargers in a modified prevent. A minute and a half left, oh. not 31 seconds left. 91 seconds. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, it was actually – it's more time than I thought. When I, I said at the start of this podcast, it was a little bit more dire situation in Kansas City. They had more time than I realized today. I thought it was less than what it was. It just felt like less because they pissed away the first minute trying to get to midfield. Yeah. But and, we, let, well, hang on. Ahead. This is what Stefanski said. He said your first goal is to get to midfield and get to Hail Mary. And he's right about that. And he said some of the calls were based on the protection. They were playing with two backup tackles, and that's reality, yep. right? But, again, like – we can debate early in the fourth punting or not going for it down the field after you get that holding call and and how that affected things. Right. But with 91 seconds left, when all these bad things have happened, when you use your timeouts and let them score, like they were trying to run a kill clock play and they didn't just kneel and you had six guys grab a running back and throw him in the end zone. Right. (laughs) Never seen that before. Right. All bets are off at this point, Jason. Like, you have to get it down the field. And, again, on first down, I understand you take the six yards because that's what they're giving you, and you have to get in the flow of the drive. You have to complete one. You know, you're not going to rip a 75-yarder on the first play. You have to complete one, and guys have to run up, and you have to see how they're going to defend you. But you cannot dump it off again. And and that has to be – like, they've come too far. Last October 10th, I would have said, hey, they're, they're just not ready for the moment. But right now you're seeing major alarms, major, major, major alarms. And, and a team that's good enough, like Malik McDowell and Tack McKinley are out there balling, right? The, this, the secondary is losing Mike Williams. Hello, Mike Williams is a top 10 receiver. We got to cover him. And, yep. and, you know, against this team especially, one, one coverage breakdown is going to happen. One little game of pick your poison or one-time Keenan Allen jumping out of the gymnasium and going up and get one that's going to happen. But it just, it came to a point where it was clear. You could not get a stop. You didn't have the dudes. You didn't have a chance. Herbert was grooving. And so you have to stay on the gas and the Browns were like stuck between, do we want to be in second gear? Do we want to be in third? What do we want to do? And like to still be in second gear on that last drive, I don't know. I can't sit here and single out whose fault it was without knowing the communication, but that's, it's flat out inexcusable to not be, if he throws a pick at the opposing 30, then you were going to lose anyway. Well, you did. You didn't get past their damn 41 yard line, 46 yard line, Yeah. 91 seconds and didn't get to midfield. That's terrible. It's inexcusable. I totally agree. Like, okay. I understand. Okay. Maybe you don't, you don't have the trust in your tackles, to hold the protection for a 40-yard fly route. But it, isn't there a happy medium between bombing it for the end zone and dinking and dunking six yards? Like, yes. can't we run it 20 yards in the middle? The middle of the field should be wide open, hey, should and, it not? And I'll say that, I mean, they, they missed number 80 in so many ways. Right? Oh, for sure. But do yeah. you remember the first half in Kansas City, the end of the first half when they run that play? 
in yeah. a different circumstance, obviously, you're not going to run that play with, <laughs> with 42 seconds left, right? right? But wasn't – like they had such an air of confidence that day, that whole day, that whole first three quarters, right, of where the ball was supposed to go and what they were going to do in every situation. And I, I know that they're prepared. They just haven't executed. And, again, I, I'm now – I never would have believed this. I'm going back to last week's fourth quarter when the defensive line just flat won the game for them. I mean, they gave the Vikings an extra possession then. Yep. Right? Like, this is two straight management failures by a really sharp coach. And, you know, I, I don't think there's any mixed messaging in here. The, the Browns are trying to win the game by any means possible. And the, the backs did what they do, right? And, and, like, even go back to the end of the first half where Greedy makes that incredible play and Malik McDowell's there to pounce on it and you settle for three. Well, that was nice. You got up seven. But, man, I need to see more. I need to see aggressive. But, but before those last three heaves, and I don't have the exact numbers because I have to go through and process them, but I had a colleague run them real quickly. You know, one stat never tells the story, right? But Baker's average target depth today was five yards. It was. If you take out those last three, it ends up nine yards. But you take out those last three, it was five yards. Now, again, wow. again it worked. And the once in a Joku that goes for the 71-yard touchdown, that, that was not a five-yard pass. That was a 12- to 18-yard pass, right? That was and a good it, throw. That yes. was a very good throw. And it was right down the middle to a guy that you're finally seeing him start to show you why you took him because he's bigger and faster than a lot of dudes. And if he uses his body like that and turns around with authority and, and expects to run for yards rather than expect to go down or just worried about securing the ball, he can do that. So it's like you're right there. But the dinking and dunking shit's not going to get it done. It's not. And, and again, like, you guys can get mad. <laughs> it's not. Um, it comes down to making plays. Austin Eckler had a tough day, and I thought the Browns defended him well because he is a guy that makes so much go for this offense because the way he fights for tough yards and extends plays and runs on screens opens so, much, so many other things. Your guys have to make plays. Keenan Allen made plays for the quarterback today and they stuck with Austin Eckler and he fought for yards. Even after he fumbled that he fought for yards throughout the fourth quarter when, when they knew they were in four down scramble mode and the Browns guys did not make plays. So it's not all on six. It's not all on the management, but man, the the frontline guys got to be better. And the next step, which is putting one of these teams away has not been achieved. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, we are over 20 minutes into this, and I'm sure fans are screaming, what about the officiating? What about the officials? The officials screwed us. So let's, let's dive into the officiating. 
obviously, Zach, you called it live on the Mike Williams pass interference call. You said, I think that might be offensive. And, and you were right. Like, it, if anything, it was offensive. It, it was a bad call. It did go against the Browns. And then Baker was upset with the, with the second and 10 call on the second to last possession that we were just talking about. DPJ got taken out on the play and Higgins got tackled on the play and it wasn't called. And it bad call probably should have been called, but I, I very, 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 very rarely would I ever put a loss on the officials. And I'm not going to do that for this one. Did the calls go against the Browns? Yeah. Did they get screwed a little bit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we just laid out all the reasons that had nothing to do with the officials on why this game could have and should have been differently. Just your thoughts on the officiating and the, the calls Baker was talking about that the Browns did not get. And then the DPI that was called. It, it's funny. Williams, if you go back and look at Williams' reaction, I think he thought it was offensive because yeah. the, the play ends and he's sitting on the ground with the, like his knees up and his hands folded. Like it was no celebratory reaction like, yeah, we got one. I think he saw the flag and thought, shit, they got me. And then it turned out that it was yeah. offensive. Or that well, it was no, defense. I think you have a good point there because I'm not in his head and I haven't seen the Chargers transcripts yet. But, you know, all the hand fighting and contact that goes on, right, and all the guys that are trying to make a play, and the officials do really try to, when, when guys are playing for the ball, let them go. But Williams knew that he grabbed A.J. Green's jersey, and he obviously wasn't trying to. So when he grabs the jersey and Green lunges over him, then he probably is thinking, oh, shit, I just got OPI, right? And so yep. maybe something happened before that play, but you showed me the still picture of it. I had seen someone tweet that or share it elsewhere, and I saw it live. I mean, he reached out and grabbed A.J. Green. So, yeah, that, that, that is a tough one, and that was you know a really tough third down was going to follow that if not for that call. I mean, the, the Chargers were going to get those yards, right? So don't lament that. As far as the one with Baker – Yes, we, we watched it again 10 minutes before we did this podcast. It's blatant illegal contact on Donovan Peoples-Jones. Higgins is not open. There is contact by textbook is that PI, probably. Are you getting that call? Almost certainly not. My problem there is more with the play call and the decision-making than doing that. If Baker throws it, and again, I'm not putting it on him. If Baker throws it while, while Donovan's getting grabbed – it's called, right? Is he the first read on that? Because that was more well, egregious. What happened to DPJ that, I, was I can't far say. worse than what happened to him. Yes. I can't say if he was the first read. He, he was where Baker was intending to go with, with that. Um, you know, a 10-yard square out at that point, yeah, you, I mean, you're trying to get to the first down and you're trying to allow Peoples Jones to use his frame and his size to, to go get it. Um, was it that play or another one where I look? I think it was that play. I mean, he didn't even look at Odell. He didn't. Now, no, now no. Odell got Higgins open uh, for his touchdown early in the game because they went two guys went with Odell and nobody went with Higgins. Um, that being said, Baker probably he can't rush that throw in that situation because if he does that and they don't call it, and a ball goes off someone's helmet or gets batted in the air, you know, it could the game's over. I, I understand the the why not there. Um, like I said, I just – I hate the situation. You, you have so many guys and, and two backs who are so tough. It's one specifically who with a little bit of space is always grinding those extra three yards and going through guys. And I, I just wanted to see a, a play action, a bootleg, something there. 
because that's who you are and that's who this quarterback is. And dropping back and jamming it over the middle has never been this team's game, right? It just, it just hasn't. And so, you know, as I sit here and look, um, you falter there. You have a second straight bad punt. The Browns have a punting problem too. The special teams are much improved in every other area. Jamie Gillen is not having a good season. Um, these things snowball and you give a guy you weren't going to stop anyway, gets to start at his own 48 yard line. So it leads to the situation where the team that's losing is trying to milk clock and the team that's winning is calling timeouts because they know they can't stop you. And they use their timeouts to come out and throw six yard passes. It's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we, excuse me, we need to spend 30 seconds or so on, on Odell. I don't like spend a lot of time with him. I think he's far bigger in name than he is in production. I don't think he's an elite receiver anymore. I'll write that later on. But just an inexcusable drop. That was big. The, 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 what, it was fourth down, right? Was it a fourth down drop? The fourth, it, Baker put it right on his hands. He had, it was a great call, great route. He had the yardstick and just dropped the ball. And then Baker really didn't go back to him really hardly at all. I think he had one catch the rest of the game. Hardly ever looked in his direction the rest of the day. And it was, it was a big catch at a big moment, so I'm surprised we didn't see them go back to that. Um, again, that second and nine play call is, is what I have, which led to the third and nine play call is what, what I have trouble with. And, like, you know, this team, since losing Jarvis, has been really heavy with the two and three tight end formations. I think they run three tights more than any other team in the league. And why do they do it? Well, because all three guys – are pretty interchangeable. Obviously, Njoku is a ton more athletic than those guys, but they've all played in the league. They're all big. They can catch. They, they can jump over people. And the, and the Browns run it so well and so powerfully with the pulling guards and stuff that the bootlegs and misdirections are all open. So, like, go back to first down, right? What, if we're willing to pass in that situation with three minutes to go in the lead, how about on first down a bootleg? Bread and butter. Isn't it fair to say that the bootlegs are the bread and butter play for this team? Right? Yeah, like, and they've, they've gone away the last few weeks. We've hardly seen any of them. Yeah, and so get, get one, and even if you get one yard, you only got one running anyway. Now on second and nine, now there's some mystery, right? Like, I just – I don't like that, and, and I don't like how they finished those games. So, again, in one game, the last two is, is what I'm referencing. In one game, the defense was good enough and carried you home. And in one game, the defense did not have a single prayer. And so despite all of these numbers that you chewed up, you know, from from gun till the last five, six minutes, really, you know, even though it got – rounds got really hot there in the second half, they, they had, what, 20 points in the first half, right? Yeah. Um, outscored 26-15 in the fourth. I just – I can't I can't get over that. It's like that's arena football type stuff. Um, I, I just – you got to get it done in these minutes or this isn't going anywhere. And – you know, I go back – I like when we do this on the podcast and we delve into conversations that we have when the mics aren't on, right, which is sometimes a random text at all hours of the day. A lot of right. times when we're sitting together at the Browns media availabilities or rental cars or wherever it may be. I mean, you went back out of nowhere. We were talking about something else in August, and you said, is this their best chance? And we talked through it, and I, I think this year and next are – I mean <laughs> – this, they've continually proven they're good enough. I, yeah. I've been going to these stadiums for a long time, and I watched two teams run out, and you could tell which one was going to win, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, we're here today, and the Chargers are legit. They won an arrowhead. The Browns didn't. And, and the Browns ran up 531 on them and had, it, had multiple chances to win the game in multiple ways and didn't get it done. 
have to have to turn this corner and you know 10 and 7 and losing the division by one game is not good enough and next week you play the only undefeated team in the league you're short got you were without three starters today and four in the MRI machine by the time you guys listen to this you got two games in the next 10 days <laughs> finish the game today with one rookie tackle and one who had never taken an NFL offensive snap in the regular season until he had to sub in, in week one or, or week two. Um, you know, like the depth is going to be tested. The five corners dressed today. Stewart counts as a corner, even though they list him as a safety. Well, three have MRIs tomorrow. You don't just find corners anywhere. Um, and yeah. You know, it, you don't ever want to get in a position where you want to have to rush a guy back. But you need Greg Newsom. You need Jarvis Landry. <laughs> um, so, big picture, three and two is always probably where you were going to be. One and one on this road trip was always going to be okay. And the run game is beating people up. But the lack of finishing and the lack of defense makes it feel a whole lot more like last year. And last year, no lead was safe and they mostly survived it. This year in the no-lead safe department, the stakes are raised. The O-line isn't as dominant as it was, even though it's pretty damn good. The pass game clearly has a lot of questions with a lot of moving parts of guys in and out and all that, and, and now faltering twice down the, down the stretch against good teams. So that, this, this is some real adversity for this Barry Stefanski, Mayfield, Joe Woods group, right? This is the first real adversity that they've faced. I don't think that's unfair to say at all. And, and I think when you think about the quality of player that's going in the MRI machine and the, and the pressure that's on the quarterback, and it's not just from us, it's real, right? I, I, I think it's, it's fair to say that this team is really good, really, really talented, but has some major questions to answer before you can say they're ready to really be in that top tier, which is where expectations are and should be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I left Kansas City thinking the Browns could have won that game. I leave LA thinking the Browns should have won this game. No doubt. No doubt. And, and the result's the same. You know, um, let's save this for later in the week because all this, I, I know when we appreciate you guys listening, and most of you are just died in the Wool Browns fans, and, and we get it you should feel like the officials were not in your favor on the plays that we outlined in a fair way. I still don't like the players going after it, Jason. There's, there's better ways to do that. Yeah. I, I think it gives off a vibe of just, it's just not a good look. It's just not a good look. There are, there Excuses? are ways. Yes. Yes. And, and the, the way to answer that is to say, it's not so much the fine guys. It's not so much that, that I don't want to give you a straight answer to your question. It's that we lost the game, and, and I don't benefit from telling you I think that the call was blown, right? It's that we, we didn't get it done in many ways and, and sure wish a couple of calls would have gone in our favor, but to sit there and openly criticize and say, go ahead and find me, say it's terrible, I, I can't argue the substance. <laughs> I'm arguing the approach. <laughs> I can't argue the substance of running up 531 yards and letting those backs eat and thinking that, investing in the D line and all this is great. Right. Um, and, and it's paid dividends to an extent early, but I, I can argue the approach in how they've handled these fourth quarters 
and, and the game management for a team that's, that's one of its strengths is being so ultra prepared and ultra versatile with how it does things. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. One last thing before you can wrap us up and get us out of here. I I hope that fans are going to be pissed off about the loss. I I totally get it. But I hope on some level they can appreciate what they saw today because this was a hell of a football game. This was a high-level football game and yeah, the defense unraveled in the fourth quarter, but we pointed out earlier, and I'm I'm sort of alluding to this in the in, in my column for tomorrow. Six times team they, they went for it on fourth down. Each side went for it on two point conversions. We saw the Browns drag running back into the end zone. First time I've ever seen that happen. This is this is the future of football, and this is football at a really high level, coached by two really smart dudes, and and I just think this is where the game is heading, and I can't think of a game that I've sat at and witnessed as a better example of where the direction of the game is headed than what we saw here today. And it was, it was a ball to watch. It was, it didn't end the way Browns fans wanted, but it was a fantastic game to watch. It absolutely was. And I I would nod at you, even though we're not in the same room. And I would say it was also an example of why expectations for this team are so high, right? Like why, why you believe, that the Browns can do things that Browns teams have never done before and why this season ending anywhere, but right here where we are, will be disappointing. We, uh, you've not been able to say that about the Browns since I was in elementary school. Yeah. Right. Like you, you, you haven't. So again, it's October and it's really weird in these post game interview rooms, guys, like we, you know, the players wait and wait and wait because there's only one podium and they're obviously pissed off and disappointed. And can only we, we try our best to frame these questions. But anyway, I tried to ask a couple of guys, like, what do you you've been you've been on the knocking on the door with these good teams, you've fallen short. Like, where do you think you are? And I think the answer is it's October 10th. And the Browns have the pieces, but they got a lot of growing up to do and a lot of Still making those pieces fit. So season ain't over by any means. And, and the, the train that heads back here isn't over by any means. But And here's the last thing I would add to that is if you look at how the Browns played the first eight weeks of last year and how they played the last eight weeks, that was a team that was building towards something and obviously was much better the second half of the season than they were the first half. I would take that 
over what we saw in Pittsburgh last year, starting 11-0 and then just completely unraveling. So, you know, there is still time to fix these things that we've talked about. There is still time. They are still building towards something. And if this team is playing better in the second half of the season, then I think that's what you're looking for. Sure. I mean, we don't have a division game until Halloween, three weeks from today, right? Um, Yeah. So there's a lot. Um, But this is just how it is. Like, you can get defensive about it or or mad about it. Like, you're either going to execute at the end or you're not, right? And and the coach that we praise and I love and would trust him preparing anything, you know, brings him out super prepared early on and his coach two crappy fourth quarters, maybe three. (laughs) We'll see. He's Jason. I'm Zach. This is Civilized Barking. Subscribe, download, review, subscribe to The Athletic. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you reading. We know you're passionate. We know you lived and died a hundred times today. It was a lot of fun. We'll talk to you. Well, there'll be another podcast this week, and we will be back post-game next Sunday. Talk to you. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.